Balotelli. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal. Look at that pass. Hayden! Goal! Columbus! There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Welcome in. Happy Soccer Podcast Day to you. What is up? I am Bone. And I am still a drunk beam. Yes, a, a hopefully getting caught up on his sleep beam after a long week here with the uh, day job. But yeah, we're back, baby. Welcome to 2021. We took our Bundesliga-esque break a little longer maybe than uh, normally planned, but that's okay. We're all good and we're all back. So yeah, man, I'm excited to talk soccer and uh, get into all the things with you. There's plenty to get to today because the crew have been making some moves. There's some questions about what's going to happen with MLS uh, this season. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. There has been some problems with Chelsea and the amount of absolute terrible play they've had given all the money they spent. We'll talk about that and. One of the worst teams in the Premier League finally got a victory, but they are still horrible. But, uh, Beamer, we could start with your team because Manchester United right now, they're flying, buddy. I mean, I got to say, when we did, I believe it was our last podcast before our break. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was before uh, the MLS Cup MLS Cup preview and you know our reaction to that. Uh, we were sitting here and saying, like, I was the first one to say it, right? How Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's job was going to be on the line. You looked at the fixtures coming up for United. They were just coming off of a 1-0 loss to Arsenal. And since then, Bone, they have been just unbelievable in the Premier League. You look at what they've done over the course, you know, over the last six weeks to two months. I mean, it's really been pretty amazing. I mean, the run of fixtures that they've had. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, first time, I think I saw Roger Bennett of – you know, uh, men and Blazers tweet this out when they had the win this past week. It's the first time in over 1,270 days that Manchester United was number one on the table. So do the math right there in about three years and some change there. Really hard to believe with this team and the way that they were starting off the season, uh, where the way that they crashed out in Champions League, that they were able to rebound here uh, into 2020, the late 2020 stage and early 2021 been really amazing that the way they've been playing and you really can't give enough credit to Ole and the way that he's uh, found resiliency in his team. I think Eric Bailly coming back from injury and being a lockdown center back, you know, with the pairing of Harry Maguire has said a lot. David De Gea has been playing much better as of late. And then the best signing in the Premier League, no doubt in the last year, Bruno Fernandez continuing to really dominate on the field. And all of this has kind of start to become a nice little magical run uh, for Manchester United. And yeah, I think, you know, I was listening to the broadcast the other day, watching that game and it's pretty crazy, man. Uh, the last time they were in first place on the table after new year was in Sir Alec Ferguson's last season. Yeah. And they ultimately won the title in 2013, but it's been seven years since United have been number one on the table since after new year. So everything right now uh, going right for Manchester United. And you know, me uh, eternal pessimist here, 
when it comes to them. I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good at the moment. Big big week coming up against Liverpool, but right now, man, I feel uh, I feel all right about this position. Yeah, you should feel good about it. And seeing Paul Pogba actually go out and play right. and be like arguably the best player on the field against Burnley. I know his goal was a result of a few deflections, but still, I mean, he was, it wasn't like he was terrible and just got a lucky goal. I mean, he's, he was the best player on the field all night. Yeah. No which I mean, the fa- I did not expect that a month ago, not in any shape or form, given all the things we have heard about. He look, it could be that he's motivated just to get out of there eventually at sure. the end of the season. And he wants everyone to see that he is still one of the premier players in the league or in the world. And that, you know, that will get him uh, everything that, that, you know, Manchester United would want to part ways with him. You know, big transfer fee. He'll get a big contract. That could be it. Or it could just be that, you know, maybe he's decided to make it work there. Who knows, man? Whatever the case, I'm sure there's there's no doubt that you're happy about how this is going right now. And all the Manchester United fans probably are. It's, uh, it's not a plucky underdog story by any stretch of the imagination, but it is something that I did not expect as we started, you know, a month ago talking about them or you know, all season where we were talking about them. It just seemed like they were not really destined to do much this year other than hover around maybe a, you know, Champions League spot at best. Sure. I mean, that seems pretty much guaranteed now. And it, you know, they've got obviously a very good shot at winning this whole league. Liverpool's going to have plenty to say about that. And this weekend is going to be a big test for both teams to see where they stand. Yeah, it's uh, it is really exciting because the the amount of time that we have done this show, T-Bone, uh, you know, it's always been the Manchester United of, you know, lackadaisical efforts and underperforming. And now really for the first time, like where everybody gets to listen to this and hear me gloat about it. So all the, uh, you know, closet Manchester United fans who have been listening to this and feeling the pain, like, welcome back. Welcome back to being competitive inside of the Premier League. It's really amazing, man, to think about, you yeah, know, what this team has done. Uh, like I said, over the course of the last couple of months since uh, November, that loss to Arsenal the way they've responded, the way they've come back. Like you said, I mean, the Paul Pogba situation, is that going anywhere? Is he going to ink a long-term deal to stay with the team? No, probably not. But I think it shows you the professionalism now that is starting to creep back in uh, in that locker room to say, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to play. I'm getting paid a lot of money to be a professional. And if I need to do that, then so be it. If my best way to get an exit out of here isn't to whine and complain and be a menace to the team. And my best way to, to force an exit is to play well and to skyrocket my transfer value, then so be it. And I thought, you know, he has really come along. He's obviously he had a tough battle with COVID that he was dealing with, uh, saying that he needed to get his win back. He wasn't in the right place. But, yeah, right now this team uh, is, is doing something really special. And I got to say, it's really fun to watch uh, the emergence of Aaron Wambasaka and what he's doing, uh, controlling all of that. You know, back right portion of the field, getting up into the attacking play has been really amazing. Scott McTominay and what he's been over the last couple of weeks has been really good. And so just this team, I don't know what it is. You know, do they have a megastar at their helm? No, probably not. You know, you look around it. I know Marcus Rashford is valued pretty high and Anthony Martial has got a ton of upside to him still. I think he can get to another level. Uh, but with Edinson Cavani kind of controlling that middle and being your number 10, uh, I just – Whatever it is about this team, man, he is um, – they're just, for whatever reason, Bone, tr- like getting back to that level where you're used to seeing a Manchester United be at. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's certainly something that as much as I'm not a Manchester United fan, it's been interesting to watch the roller coaster they've been on. And, yeah, for a lot of the fans out there, I do think it's, it's, it's good to have, in some ways, Manchester United back. And for a lot of us, it's good to have them back to hate. 
because that makes it more fun when you have someone at the top that you don't like. And I am I am no doubt that the Liverpool fans don't necessarily enjoy seeing Manchester United be good, but it's going to make this weekend's game so much more interesting between the two of them. It's always interesting when those two play. They are hated rivals. That game, of course, is at 11.30 this upcoming uh, Sunday. So you can catch that, I'm sure, on either NBC or NBC Sports. I forget where. I think it's a Peacock. It's oh, did they th- did the they, did they throw it on the did they throw it on the cock? Did they throw they it did. on the old yeah. Peacock? So it's not right. even going to be on NBC. I forgot about that. That's right. I said that stupidly, forgetting that there's that whole controversy about it. Have you broken down and bought the Peacock yet? Because I have to no, admit, I have not. I haven't okay. done it, and I don't think I will, even for this game. I don't even know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll uh, go to Evil Bald Collins well and ri- rip off some links from him. <laughs> In his uh, dark web, uh, you know, kind yeah. of uh, conjurings. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, you have a, a game between two bitter rivals, two teams that hate each other with the, as much history as you can possibly imagine, the two teams with the most trophies in all of English soccer and are currently number one and number two in the table and a big match halfway through the season, and you're not going to air it on TV? Well, what? What's the what's the thought process behind that? Well, I'll tell you what the thought process is. It's money. They listen. So this is a thing that I have been. I don't know what to do with this information, but it's legit. Everyone in the sports media world seems to think that NBC Sports Network is going away within the next two years, maybe even the next eighteen months. Like that's a real thing. And I think it is tied around the time that they're... You mean the 1 p.m. showings of the Meekum Auto Auctions are drawing a ton of TV ratings? Right, but that is, I mean, that is where most of us do watch the Premier League, obviously, is is we watch it primarily on NBC Sports Network. And there's also, you know, like for me as a NASCAR fan, that also is something that I'm kind of curious about because they also have a NASCAR contract. But supposedly when some of their contracts run out, they're not going to be renewing people. They're not going to be continuing that it's not been as lucrative as they had hoped so the thought is they are going to migrate all their sports coverage onto peacock and just say do you want this fine it's x dollars a month pay for it and you'll get all these games you'll get all these nascar races and whatever other sports they want to you know i think they do rugby and they've got a few other uh, indie car stuff like that but they're going to migrate all of that onto peacock is what i have heard uh, and that, or at least that's what the thinking is in the industry is that that's where they're going with that. So putting this game on Peacock is basically saying you better get used to this because this is where it's going. So go ahead and subscribe now. It's trying to put people onto the pay service and there will be people I'm sure who have not broken down yet who this weekend, you know, around 10, 10, 30, 11, they're going to be saying, God, I really want to watch this game. I don't know if I want to sit here and watch a stream. Let's do it. Yeah. And so they'll say, all right, well, do I really need this other thing? I've got some other streaming service I never watch. I'll cancel that and I'll buy Peacock. And then I get to watch The Office or whatever. You know, they'll you'll justify it. So, I mean, I I broke down and bought it because I've been trying to follow Fulham this year and uh, they don't put a lot of their games on TV because they are poop. Hear that password. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you want it, you can. Yeah, you, I will help you out. I forget, I can help you out, Beamer, of course. I'll get you That's in on right. that. That's all right. Our neighbor and I, uh, we, we split sometimes, you know. I'll no. go over to his house and watch something. He'll uh, give me a Jackets password. They start their season tonight. Yeah, actually, so, I'm, I'm probably going to need I'm gonna need one of those, so, too. You know, SOL when it comes to the oh, Fox Sports Ohio. Good Lord. What a, by the way, that's just a whole other thing, because that obviously affects the crew, too, because I didn't get to watch like a lot of the games in the second half of the season once that happened. I mean, I would I would find ways to watch the extended highlights. I occasionally would flip onto an illegal stream, but 
for the most part, I didn't want to go through doing a VPN and all that other stuff and paying for another service. So I just kind of watched highlights and I'm now in the same boat with the blue jackets where I figure as soon as I switch to another service, like I think AT&T, they said has Fox sports right now. I'm sure like as soon as I switch to it two months from now, they're going to be like, Oh, we're in a dispute. And I just, I'm done chasing my tail on that. So yeah, it's frustrating though as sports fans to try to keep up with all these disparate places to go watch your sports. It is nice to have them. I mean, it's funny because in a way we've progressed and yet we haven't because do you remember, did anybody in your neighborhood back in the day have the giant satellite dish? I'm not talking like a dish network dish. I'm talking one that's like five feet wide. That looks like a network uplink. Did you guys I don't ever think so? No. All right. Cause I, I knew there were a few kids in our neighborhood when I was growing up. So this would have been the eighties where they, I mean, I'm talking like a real satellite dish, not, not direct TV sized. And that's the type of thing that could actually, they would beam in stuff from all over the world if you had one of those things. I mean, it was thousands and thousands of dollars to buy one of those, and it was not anywhere close to the quality you get even from DirecTV. But that's like that was one of the few ways you could watch soccer when I was a little kid. And I never, of course, got to watch it because my family didn't do that. But I'm just saying we've kind of gone back to that where it's not thousands and thousands of dollars, but if you're willing to just spend all the money on all these little services, you know, Fubo TV and flow, this flow sports right. or whatever, like you, there's the, the zone, you can buy all these things and you can literally watch every sporting event pretty much in the world. You can see everything, but it costs an arm and a leg if you want to watch every single one. So you have to pick and choose. I think a lot of people will pick and choose the peacock this weekend to watch that game. But yeah, streaming services, it's 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 a blessing and a curse. I guess that's the way I will leave it. But uh, I'm looking at the Manchester United schedule real quick to switch back to that for a second. So they have Liverpool this weekend. Wednesday they play Fulham. Who? Uh, yep. I, I'm. It was nice to see Fulham get a tie against Tottenham. They fought back and got a point, which Should they desperately need. Yeah, I know. Entire game yesterday. I know. It's it's frustrating because they've had three or four like that where they should have had a win against pretty good teams and they've just found a way to not finish the deal so but Fulham are are gonna they're feisty is what I'm saying I don't know that they're gonna be a tough out but they are going to be fighting hard for every point they can get uh then Manchester United plays Liverpool again but that's an FA Cup game on uh next Saturday the 23rd then Wednesday the 27th they play Sheffield United so W uh <laughs> and then Arsenal they travel to Arsenal uh the following Saturday January 30th so closing out January they've got Four more games in the Premier League starting this Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's not a murderer's row schedule, to say the least. I mean, yeah, especially if you can pick up a point against Liverpool. Yeah, and then you would feel really good about yourselves and hopefully get nine points out of nine uh, in those next three games. I mean, now you're cooking with gas. I mean, you're more than halfway done with the season. So, a lot of positives for Manchester United fans. Like I said, though, in the uh, spirit of my guy Timmy Hall, a little thing called you'll see. Um, <laughs> oh, they're gonna mess that up. That's right. So uh, Sheffield United, we just mentioned, by the way, I mean, I said it would be an easy win for Manchester United, but congrats to them. They did get a victory over Newcastle one to nothing at Bramall Lane. So uh, nice, nice victory for the Blades. But uh, Chris Wilder, their manager, was talking about how they've he's been counting every minute of every hour of every day since they last won. It was uh, it was, let's see, 186 days since they last won that was july 11th they beat chelsea and they had uh they had 10 points in 10 days back at that point 
the Yikes. fall of well that's like the fall of Sheffield United from what they were last year and what they were even over the summer to this year is yeah. just staggering and I know if you if you look into the tactics and a lot of the people who who break that stuff down who are far smarter than me on that you know they have pointed to how everything has to click for their system to work and if one or two guys are off and they have suffered some pretty big injuries you know before the season that have really damaged what they typically do you know that's that's made them be poor that has made them be bad but i don't think even your system being you know woefully inadequate is enough to make you this historically bad they still have the worst start in premier league history even with this even with this game so it's it's hard to really understand just how they have gotten this bad in one calendar or not even one calendar year in 6 months oh i mean what they're doing actually is historically impressive, you know? Right. I mean, yeah, that's up right. to this point, like, yeah, I know we can joke about it and everything and talk about their problems from last year. I, you're a professional soccer club. You're paying these athletes a lot of money to come in. Like, wouldn't you think, you know, you're sitting there, you know, before your tactics, before the game, and I know that you have a system and you're going to be devoted to that. At some point, you have to look at your team and say, somebody go out there and score a damn goal. Like, just do something, all right? Look at where we finished on the table. Look at where we're at right now. Somebody just go out there and and win this game for us. Like it was shocking, Bone, what they have done to start the season. Like it's just it's been 18 games. They got five points. Yeah. All right, they got two draws and a win in 18 matches. That is horrible. Yeah. Well, and even the and even the victory they got against Newcastle. I mean, this was a VAR penalty that, quite honestly, I thought was a pretty rough give of a penalty because it was two guys shoulder to shoulder and they said that there was a foul committed and yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not what I'm saying is it's not like Sheffield found something and broke through and won like sure. four to nothing. No, they, they just, they got a penalty on VAR. It was an iffy penalty at that. And that was the difference in the game. So this, this is a long way to go for Sheffield. They are clearly getting relegated I guess that's nice for everybody else who's getting relegated is it's nice to know there's one that <laughs> is for sure going to be out. And I, I mean, it, I would be floored if they can turn it around. But uh, yeah, I, I still am just I've been amazed by it all year and I continue to watch them and just be flabbergasted at how bad they are. So, yeah, it's not like a Crystal Palace situation from a few years ago. Uh, remember that I forget what their run was when they started the season, like where they didn't score a goal in like nine games or something yeah. great like that. And then you're like, well, they have the pieces. They just need to be able to put it together. And they ultimately didn't end up getting relegated uh, and they kind of saved themselves. But yeah, it's just, um, I don't know. It's a situation right there. How are you motivating your players? It almost, it's got to be a game by game basis, right? I mean, you got to just say to yourself, listen, we're 18 games through. We've got one more to finish up the, uh, the first half of the season. Uh, the next half that we go to, I mean, you're just hunting points at that point. You know, a draw is so much better uh, than, than a loss, you know, not getting anything. You're just going out there. Tactically, they're going to have to be great. Like you said, they're on five points. They're 18 games. West Brom's got a game in hand on them. Fulham's got two games in hand on them, and they're both above them on the table. Uh, and then Brighton's sitting at the first non-relegation spot right now with 18 games played, 14 points. You're talking about nine game, or excuse me, nine <laughs> points back with the same amount of games. Like, that's three wins. Are they capable of three wins in a season? Like, I don't even know. And right. that's not – even considering their results that Brighton gets. Yeah, they have to be three wins better than teams like Brighton and all the other teams around them. And it's it doesn't seem likely that that will happen. But uh, 
yeah, it's a it's a pretty stunning fall from grace for them because they were a top ten team all last year and and played really well. Looked like they had a, a chance to to do some damage and maybe even qualify for Champions League. And nope, that is uh, that is a far cry from where they are right now. Uh, let's talk about a team though that is you know Champions League caliber and obviously has a lot of expectations and they're not living up to them right now. And that's Chelsea because uh, they obviously had you know a transfer ban previously that kind of lowered their expectations for Frank Lampard in his first season in charge. Well, now they've spent 220 million pounds this past Mm -hmm. summer to bring in a bunch of talent and they're sitting ninth and it has not gone well for them. I mean, it's, it's a question, I guess. And I, I, I'm curious how you feel about it, Beamer, because I think there are some people who look at it and say, well, they just need more time to gel. All the talent is there. They will figure it out. But then on the other side of it, it is, you know, Frank Lampard being a club legend and all that stuff is 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 great. But is he the guy who should be in charge of a 220 million pound outlay when you need to get the most out of that talent instantly? Maybe a more senior manager who has been around the block a few times with this would be getting more out of this team. Do you think that's a fair question to ask of Frank Lampard right now? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I mean, you know, you come to Chelsea and you know, you're a club legend in Frank Lampard. And listen, they've got high expectations. I understand that. Anytime you go out and you spend an excess of $200 million where a global shortfall is happening in a COVID-19 world, Bone, like, what are your excuses? You know, because I'm sure that Roman Abramovich is sitting there saying, all right, well, we just spent all this money. And right now, it's not even the fact that, you know, we're not even fighting for the top four. We're not being competitive in some of these games. And so it seems like, you know, some of the tactics that Frank Lampard is getting wrong And as well, too, I mean, again, club legend, you don't want to, like, you know, hemorrhage those relationships with him. But at the same time, you're in a results business, Bone. We know the Premier League does not wait for anybody to be able to get those results. And so it's 100% a fair question. I mean, is that on the table for him? I don't know their strategy. I don't know the long-term plan. They talked about bringing these guys in. Uh, But when you bring in the slew of attackers uh, that you have gotten and they've all underwhelmed, something has happened. They had success at their prior clubs. How are you not getting the best out of them? And so Chelsea fans right now cannot be feeling good. 26 points you're on after 17 matches. Uh, the last month for them has not been good at all. I mean, going back, they just got embarrassed against City last week, you know, tied against Aston Villa. Okay, got your brains beat in by Arsenal. And then you have to go back to December 21st, which is almost nearly a month ago. Uh, from your last win in the Premier League against West Ham, that 3-0 uh, you know, drubbing of them. Uh, but even that, I mean, it was paired with the Wolves' loss and Everton loss going back to the beginning of December. So right now, they uh, plain and simple, they stink. Like, yeah. They're not a very good good team right now. And if you don't get some answers pretty soon, I don't know, maybe he is on the hot seat. Yeah, well, I think it's certainly a fair question and, and one that will be continued to be looked into. Uh, the other thing with Chelsea is, I mean, they are sitting right now – 10 points off the lead and six points out of a Champions League spot. I mean, it's it's a little more than you – know, it's it's not that they can't make that up, obviously, but that that is a – A little different than Sheffield United. Yeah, right, right. They're still within, you know, they're still within shouting distance of all that, and they can get back into it. But the, a, like a game this weekend against Fulham, my my Fulham, which last year, of course, Chelsea was my, my Blues. So now yeah, exactly. my two teams from the last Turn two go. years in the Premier League – they're going head to head. In my mind, the best outcome here is Christian Pulisic scores three goals and Fulham wins four to three. That's what I'm rooting for, but I'm not sure that'll happen either way. I sign up for that as yeah, well. I'd, I'd sign up for just watching a fun game. I hope it. I hope it actually is a you know not a slog between these two. But 
yeah, they they desperately need that game. And then they play Leicester uh, Tuesday. So if you could take one from Leicester, that actually – now that's on the road, but if you can get that done – like then all of a sudden you're feeling really good. I mean, in a week they could turn this back to where, okay, they've taken points off a team ahead of them. They beat down a team that's far below them in the standings. They are Chelsea. They're going to weather this storm and they'll be fine. But I, I think that's going to be a little bit of a telling of the tale. If they struggle against Fulham and then Lester just puts it on them and gets a, you know, clear victory. I mean, clear or not, whatever. If they win that game, that is still going to signal some bigger issues for Chelsea that – it's going to probably take a little while to fix. So next next few days, Saturday and Tuesday, big moments for Chelsea. We'll see what they can do. Take a break. When we come back, we will talk some Columbus crew and Major League Soccer. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. So let's talk about the Columbus crew who have been quite busy since the uh, bone, time bone, that we last bone, talked. Bone, about. bone, What? MLS Cup champs, Columbus. Oh, crew. I'm sorry. Yeah, how, of course. Of course. Let me tell you what I have been doing over the time that we have been gone. Uh, I have developed a big problem, which is I have spent, I think, half of our kids' college savings on <laughs> Columbus crew merchandise I bought, okay, so you know Tops, the trading card company, Tops sure. baseball cards, you know, all that stuff for years, right? So they own the rights to make MLS cards. So they have a thing that's called Tops Now or Tops Instant. And what it is, is they get pictures from like a recent game or a big moment and they will print them, but it's like on demand. So they have a run of time after that event where they will say, hey, you can order a baseball card that features Lucas Zellerion scoring a goal in MLS Cup. But it's only one card. It's like $10 for the one card. But it's limited to however many they make in a period of like two weeks. So people put their orders in, and then they you know print them up, and they send them out. So I just got mine in the mail. I got a couple of them, one of them hoisting the trophy and one of him you know doing his little shark fin celebration. And so... That was like it's it's just I've I've been spending money left and right on like crew memorabilia, crew T-shirts, crew scarves, like more. Just I thought I was done. I thought I had, everything had come in, and then yesterday the mail came and like three more things showed up, and I was like, oh god, I'm gonna get the, I'm my wife to get scolded. My wife's gonna divorce me. She's gonna divorce me over all the the money I'm spending on crew stuff. But that's what you do when your team wins a championship. You go crazy. You buy all the gear. So uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. But the crew have gone crazy buying players and spending money in that way so they have made two signings they have uh well they've made more than that but two that are pretty big they've they brought in bradley wright phillips who is one of the leading goal scorers in mls history he's on the last legs of his career but he's still a guy who can put in goals and then kevin molina from minnesota united he's a winger he is one of their leading goal scorers if not i believe he might have been their leading goal scorer this season um but that's a guy who can get the job done too and so you would think they're going to probably have him and Luis Diaz, you know, fighting out for a spot. But maybe, you know, they'll they'll rotationally with Pedro Santos, like you would think that's probably something that's going to happen as well, that those two are going to flip-flop. So the point being, they're loaded up front. Like they should have no problem scoring and they should have no problem even when they have a game Saturday, a game Wednesday, a game Sunday. They should have plenty of guys ready to go. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it is, and I don't really know too much, Bone, 
you know, about these signings. You know, this is where your expertise in MLS comes in handy. Uh, obviously, though, Bradley Wright Phillips, big name. And like you said, I mean, older character. But at the same time, I mean, if he can come in and give you some good minutes either off the bench as a sub or, you know, perhaps what you said, you know, when when you're going into big weekend matchups, just giving you minutes in Caleb Porter's system. It's a veteran guy. He's been around a long time. Good influence in the locker room. It's a great signing, I think. You know, it's not a guy who's going to, like, make your eyes pop out of your head and be excited for next season and, like, draw fans in to see. But a guy who can increase your backbone and increase your team chemistry and do anything you ask of him and is a good character, like, yeah, sign me up for that. I'm all in. Yeah, and just to kind of put things in perspective for him, uh, this is a guy who was MLS Best 11 in 2014, 2016. He was the Golden Boot winner in 2014 and 2016 as well. So it's not that far removed from being, you know, the leading scorer in the league. Um, over the total of his career, he has, I'm trying to think, he has got, or not trying to think, I'm trying to look it up. He has 116 goals in his MLS career, which I think puts him fifth or sixth on the all-time list. But this year for LAFC, he started 14 of their 18 games that he played in. He had eight goals and six assists. So in 14 games, he accounted for 14 goals. That's pretty good, right? I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're adding in a goal every time you step on the field or at least every game you start. So I'll take that. And uh, it's not that I'm expecting him to get eight goals and six assists in a crew uniform, but when you need him as a late sub in a tie game, when you need him to step in, and, you know, play some big minutes because you've got fixture congestion. You've got multiple games coming up. That's why you bring a guy like him in. And as as for uh, Kevin Molino, like this is a guy who was one of the better players in MLS, but certainly one of the best players on Minnesota United who have been a team that has been in the playoffs and got to the Western Conference Finals this year yet again. So I have uh, nothing but uh, excitement about him coming in. I think this is... This is just showing to me what he's been able to do. He's he's coming to play for a team now that is a championship caliber, showing they can do it, but now they have to play in Champions League. Now they have to go and play. They want to win a U.S. Open Cup. Like There's going to be a lot of competitions where they are going to need quality players, and he certainly is that. So is he going to supplant any of the starters for the crew? Maybe. I think him and Luis Diaz may fight it out, or you might see Pedro Santos, you know, sitting down for a time because Kevin Molino is that good. But the nice thing is everyone's going to be, I would think, able to be rested and ready to go. And of course, if you have an injury or something, you've got plenty of weapons there to fill in. So uh, I don't, again, don't think Bradley Wright Phillips is going to push Jossie Zardes for a starting spot. I don't, I don't know. Kevin Molino might, but the good news is there's depth on this team and it's going to be fun to watch. So I think it just shows you the amount of great tactics that you have inside of this club for the people who are making business decisions and on-field decisions. And that all starts with Prezbez, Tim Bezbachenko, right? I mean, talk about one, I mean, failed signing that he's had. It's just his track record speaks for itself. And when he came to Columbus, everybody was excited for this exact reason. Is it necessarily bringing in the star power and bringing in people to fill the seats? Yeah, Lucas L. Ryan was the best player in MLS Cup. He was one of the best players in MLS. It's these signings that, you know, maybe fly under the radar to the fringe fan that said, oh, yeah, who's that guy? Well, he's one of the best players, you know, in MLS. He just, you know, maybe doesn't draw the names or draw the fans. And so you look at these business decisions and what they're doing, and 
really they haven't put a foot wrong with it. And it led you to a title this past year. And when you already know that you have a title contending squad and a team that is hoisting MLS Cup currently, and it is the home, Columbus, Ohio is the home to your MLS Cup champs. At the same time, what are you doing? You are bolstering your team. Are you bolstering it where you need it the most and your weaknesses? No, maybe not. But you're also bolstering it to the fact to say, all right, well, now we're going to have some competitiveness. We're going to have some fire in the belly of this team to go out and try to repeat. And this business is just wonderfully done, I think, by Tim Bezbachenko and everybody over there who are making these decisions to bring these players in. It's a complete round of applause, and they have done nothing, nothing at all to make you wonder about the signings that they're bringing in. Yeah. Well, and to that, to add to your point, so uh, Tim Bezbachenko talked about like how they got Kevin Molino to come over because he's one of the top free agents in the league. Yeah. Uh, they, they, everybody from the crew have described him as in their mind, Porter said, Caleb Porter said, Kevin Molino, in my opinion, is one of the best wingers in the league. He's a complete game changer. So he like, they, how do you get a guy like that when you have all this other talent already under contract? And the answer is when they, when they shipped off Zach Steffen, they got a lot of money for that, right? Sure. I mean, they 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 transferred got him. a buttload of money. Yeah. Him. Well, so Bezpachenko said, starting in 2019, we had all this money come in from that, and we had this ambition to win, but we thought our team was pretty good, so we didn't spend it all in one transfer window. We saved. Right. We have money in the bank. So we used some of that money to help sign a player like this. How great is that? Like they've they they have ambition to win. You have owners who are willing to spend the money, and you've got smart people who are managing the money, saying, "All right, well, let's not spend it all now. Let's let this team come together. Let's see what our needs are." And now, by the way, Kevin Molino. Also, if Lucas Elrayon needs a break, he plays. He can play the ten spot as well. Like yeah. you can put him in the center of the field. You can put him out wide. You can move Pedro in the middle. Like the flexibility that you give one of the best coaches in the league and Caleb Porter. I good luck. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> and I, I didn't even mention Derek Etienne Jr., who scored a goal in MLS Cup and came on in the second half of this season again, who is phenomenal. Like, you have so much talent out on the wings and in the center of the field now. I'm I'm overjoyed. I am I am thrilled to watch this team play. So the question now becomes, when will we get to see this team played? Because you've got some issues with Major League Soccer, and let's get into that quickly before we wrap up the show. Uh, Don Garber was talking about this and, you know, I love Don. Anything he says, I'm just a, a huge mm, fan. Yeah. Um, so like every other commissioner and team owner and everyone in 2021, he is saying that MLS uh, is going to face significant financial hurdles. He says that they have lost more than $100 million as a league, which um, doesn't sound as bad as, you know, the NHL saying they're going to lose billions of dollars. Major League right. Baseball saying what you have teams in Major League Baseball claiming that they the Phillies claim they lost two billion dollars last year. Their franchise isn't even worth probably more than four billion. There's no way they lost half their franchise value in one year. So I, I am a Philadelphia little Philadelphia Phillies brought to you by MasterCard <laughs> is what's going to be the next. Right. The Eastern Conference in the MLS brought to you by Hot Chicken Takeover. Right. Now, I do believe him that they have lost some money, uh, and I do believe that it's probably – what I know is I tend to think any number you hear from Major League Soccer about how much money they're making is probably overblown and how much money they're yeah. losing is also probably <laughs> overblown. Like, I tend to think it's somewhere between those two figures. Anyway, he did point out that with the pandemic and not having people in the stands, that's affected their business, and so they are trying to figure out how to move forward. Uh, one of the things that he has proposed is this force majeure clause within the CBA, which I'm not mm -hmm. going to get into the legal wrangling of that. But basically what it is, is they want to take the CBA they just negotiated last year 
and say, oops, there was a pandemic. Let's let's renegotiate this deal. Let's let's make it better for the owners. Now, that means there's going to be an issue. They have about 30 days to renegotiate the deal. And so they've got to get this going. Garber is saying he wants to see this deal sorted out and fixed and he wants to get it all done, which I laugh at because he was the one who decided to reopen the deal in the first place. And now he's like, we need a sense of urgency from the players. You know, if you just played under the original deal that you signed last year, you wouldn't have this issue. So he's putting it all back on the players to say, you guys need to sign this deal because Open Cup is coming back, Gold Cup, World Cup qualifiers, CONCACAF Champions League, CONCACAF Nations League, all these other things. We're going to need to have our league fitting into all that. And if we have to stop our schedule for two months to sort that out, that it's not going to work well. I still think that's on Don Garber. I don't think it's on the players, but the point of this is to say COVID and everything else already makes it uncertain when the season's going to start. They don't need this on top of it. They don't need this contract negotiation on top of it. That's not good. I think anytime you go into a CBA renewal or a CBA negotiation, I mean, it's tough, right? Cause you do understand at least for, you know, the people out there, uh, who pay attention to sports closely, like you do understand the you know the structural agreements that are in place to keep these leagues running and you got to keep your players happy. And at the end of the day, as crazy as it sounds, you have to keep your owners happy or else you're going to see them put up a big fight if they're not making bottom dollar. And uh, it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty wonky bone to look at this and issuing the force majeure, as you like to say, I wonder if that's French. <laughs> I have no clue. Probably. Uh, but yeah, I just, you know, anytime you get into a CBA, you know, contract negotiation agreement, I always, I always tend to kind of like back off of that because I, I'm always the one who's going to be backing the players. Like we're talking about owners of these teams that are crying poor at every single step. And have you lost money this year? Sure you have. You own a damn sports franchise, though. How broke can you be? If you're too broke to, you know, afford a team uh-huh. and support your players and pl- pay them a fair price, then sell the damn team. There are plenty of other billionaires or collective groups of millionaires that would love a chance to represent their city. So, you know, I'm always so one-sided when it comes to these CBA agreements and just to be able to say, all right, just give the players what they want. Now, is it going to be a 60-40 revenue split? No, absolutely not. But if the players are coming here saying they demand more money or, you know, they're being un- un- unjustly treated, then I have a tendency to go with them. Like, I'm always pro player when it comes to this sort of thing because I just – I have no – I have no – apathy at all for whiny multi-hundred millionaires or billionaires when it comes to a few million dollars in their bank account. It's not something that I can get behind. Yeah. I used to work for BMW customer service many years ago, and it would amaze me the amount of people that would call in, you know, as I'm sitting there making, you know, what, 12, 15 bucks an hour taking these calls. And you have these people who would call in and they'd have like a seven series BMW that they bought and they would be, you know, mad that the oil change at the local dealership costs like $110 or something like that. And they would say, this is too expensive. I can go to a you know local shop here and get it for 20 bucks. And we would say, go ahead. Go ahead. They're like, well, I want to take it to BMW though to get it serviced. This is outrageous what they charge. And it's like, well, you bought the BMW, man. I didn't force you to buy it. Like, I'm not saying right. that that is, I mean, I wouldn't want to pay $110 for an oil change personally, but I mean, if you buy that type of car, you're right. There's expenses that go with that. And if you buy an MLS franchise, some years are going to be great. And you, by the way, all these people, 
are they selling their franchise? This is my argument with Major League Baseball, NHL, anyone. Are any of these owners saying, I can't afford it, I got to sell? No, because they know how lucrative it is to own one of these teams, and they believe that the payoff is going to be worth it eventually. So they're not selling. That's why they're not selling is because they know that deep down this league does make money, and it's going to make a lot more money over the next 10 years. So they don't want to sell now because they th- – What that tells me is it's not as dire as they make it sound. So get this sorted out, get this CBA done, and I hope the owners come a long way towards the players and help them get this right because we need to have an MLS season. I mean, it would be catastrophic for the league if they said we're going to have a lockout or anything like that. All the strides that you made this year and the interest that you created with MLS's back tournament when there was nothing going on, all the new fans that you've generated, for the league to just shut down shop for a year, you're right. It would be nothing short of catastrophic. Yeah, especially especially as, and you know, you're going to have this vaccine going out. People are going to get back to normal sometime in the next six months, fingers crossed. Go outside and have a beer and watch the game in the new crew stadium. Right. That thing is going to be open to the public and be ready to rock without a team playing in Uh. it. No way. No way. It can't happen. It can't happen. And I and I hope they will not let it happen. But the only bright spot to that, if it did happen, would be that this is the inaugural season for Austin FC. So, boy, as much as I would well, not want to see... Well, reign of MLS Cup champs would just be longer. <laughs> <It> so... would... <laughs> right. I'm just saying, as bad as it would be, I guess they would just have to continue to be the defending champs for a little longer, and poor Anthony Precourt still wouldn't have a soccer team. That would be a shame. Um, that's it for us this week we will talk to you guys next week thanks for listening again make sure you leave a rating for us on iTunes or however you listen to your podcast on the Apple Store if you listen on Spotify make sure that you subscribe and thanks again for checking out Bone and Beam United